With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome to another episode of LaTarte on Location. When you spent more than 20 years of your life traveling the road as a NASCAR crew chief and NBC analyst, you're bound to meet some interesting characters along the way. The LaTarte on Location podcast brings you closer to all kinds of personalities that I have connected with throughout the years and a bunch of great locations. So sit down, buckle up, get ready for some off-the-grid conversation today on Location. My first ever trip to the TRD facility in Salisbury, and I have the president of TRD, David Wilson. David, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. So, so what is the official title of this location? So I can have is this like TRD East, or how do you pull this? Yeah, off? that's you know, over the over the years, we've um, it's it's adapted uh, it's adopted various names. Generally speaking, yeah, uh, TRD Salisbury okay. is simple okay. enough because the yep. the counterpart is TRD Costa Mesa. That's yeah, perfect. Um, so we'll we'll go with that. Which after seeing, we're going to talk a lot about the facility mm-hmm. here, but after seeing it. Uh, you can pencil me in on the next West Coast trip I have. I'll be coming to hang out on your side of the country. I'd love to see Costa Mesa. This place is unbelievable. We're going to dig into it. But a lot of things to talk about. The 40th anniversary for TRD. If my math is right, your 30th? Yes, it is. No, so we, we're not, we're not going to get into too many details of numbers, <laughs> but 30 years at TRD. I think 30 years at any profession anymore is amazing. Um, 30 years here. So we have a lot to talk about. You, this facility, and TRD. I think the best thing to start with, though, for the listener is explain Toyota Racing Development, TRD, in 30 seconds, what does TRD, what is it, and what does it do? So, simply put, TRD is Toyota's North American motorsports engineering arm. We're a, we're a captive organization. Um, our boss, my boss, resides in Plano, Texas, mm-hmm. at the headquarters, Toyota's U.S. headquarters. Yep. And, um, and ultimately, we are an arm of Toyota's marketing presence in America. Um, Our role is to execute the plans that our parent company make in in the world of motorsports. So in in the U.S., North America, if it, you know, if it has Toyota or Lexus and it goes fast, then then, uh, somewhere along the way, TRD has some engagement in that. Well, and I bring it up, we've had this conversation before, you know, Many manufacturers have an arm that helps them in the competition side. But TRD, in my mind, is the first one that had its own, I call it its own brand. Like, I recognize TRD even without Toyota, even though they are one and the same. I think it goes all the way back. My first ever memories of TRD is the the Mickey Thompson series, right? It was with the truck, the the stadium trucks, the outdoor trucks. Uh, was it Ivan Iron Man Stewart? Yeah. The little four-console video game that was in there all of go. the arcades. Or um, bars, yeah. yeah. But, so what was that like? It was like the eighties? Is that right? Like eighties? Yes. Is that when that all went down? Yeah, it was the that that's really uh, the start um, of of what I call the the motorsports era of TRD. So having you know having somehow survived thirty years, sometimes I, I feel like it's been a game of survivor. <laughs> yep. Um, and I've chosen the right alliances or or the wrong. I'm not sure, but yeah. Uh, 
but you 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 start looking back and and I kind of look at uh, TRD in in three chapters. Our first chapter was as a really a Southern California speed shop. That that's what mm-hmm. TRD was initially set up for back you know 40 years ago, and then uh, in the early mid 80s, Toyota decided to take a look at, at motorsports and and thought that it would be um, it would become a, a nice bridge to help Americanize, Americanize the company. So our very first two forays were off-road racing. And again, the Ivan Stewart, uh, um, the score Baja side yep. mixed with the Mickey Thompson um, indoor stadium side, some of the most entertaining, pure, just pure entertainment. Oh. Uh, from a fan perspective. I mean, nothing is better than when the fenders blow off a truck and it just keeps going. And then you see the tubular version. You're like, I didn't know that was underneath it. Like, as a young kid, my dad had a race car shop, so I saw race cars. Um, but in my mind, these trucks couldn't be that. And then when the right. fenders and the bodywork would blow off, um, it just blew my mind that this was a race truck. It was it was, And, it and was the beyond. travel. I mean, oh, for yeah. me, you, yeah. know, you know, if you, if you ever have the opportunity to follow a race truck down – down the desert Mm -hmm. and it's doing a buck 50 and it looks like a water bug because the there's so much travel in the suspension right um but uh they're truly engineering marvels but uh they're also very entertaining so so it's yeah so it's the off-road side and then um next to that was the sports car side yep it was the partnership that toyota uh, adopted with dan gurney and and it all started um with Toyota actually asked Dan if he would do some Supra commercials for them, and this is the the you know two generations ago of the of the Supra. And Dan, you know, said no, no, I'm not interested. And finally, um, he relented, um, as long as you know he could parlay it into yeah, some yeah. racing. That's right. right. That's right. And uh, as so, any good racer would, exactly <laughs> right. What's in it for me? And yeah, that's and, right. uh, and and they're they're about started a really uh, neat you know, 11-year stint with IMSA across GTU initially uh, in 83 and then gravitating toward to GTO in, in 86 and then uh, GTP, the prototypes, in eight, 1989. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be in Daytona this year for the Rolex and saw those Lexus uh, GTD car, GT3 cars, I guess. Right. Is, they all have these different titles. It's a GT3 it, car in my mind. It's a globa- Globally, yeah. it's a GT3 car. Yeah, right, and they're, they're beautiful cars. And there's something about sports car racing, and I pick on NASCAR a little bit with this. Um, so when I walk through the paddock of a sports car race, I don't need any stickers. I don't need any flags. Like, that is the BMW. That is the Lexus. That's the Ferrari. That's the whatever it is, the Ford GT. And it, it's that is something um, – you know, I give my opinions in when they're not probably asked for. That's something that I wish we could get in NASCAR more because yeah. well, I think we have better branding than ever. Like I can kind of see them with the shapes of the headlights and the thing. For sure. The sports car world just has it. I mean, th- yeah. those are the cars that people grow up with. They love these iconic cars. They're aspirational. Um, yeah. We, we, we love it for that reason, Steve. We also love it because, you know, in the GT3 or GTD series, mm-hmm. we race against eight other right. manufacturers. I mean, Everybody is there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know when we contemplate, you know the next generation of NASCAR and and this you know current initiative that we're working on as an industry, you know I often point to that, um, and of course you know Jim France loves sports car racing. Oh yes, right, and and as an OEM, as one of three, from from day one, we've always said we'd like 
we'd like to compete against more manufacturers, right? right? We, you know, when you go to an auto show and everybody's there, you go, you know, to the to the dealerships, um, we want to compete. So, you know, when they contemplate, you know, it would be great to add one more manufacturer, you know, my immediate response is, why why stop there? Right. Why, why right. can't we have a half a dozen manufacturers? If I, th I think one of the pillars of success for this initiative really will be um, looking forward and looking at how many of us are racing. Um, that can only, I think, help the sport. So, uh, so yeah, you see that, you know, in the in the paddock of IMSA, and that's again one of the reasons why why Lexus love to compete there. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan. I think as the the I call them the super teams have grown, the the Hendricks, the Gibbs. Mm -hmm. the, I think that only aligns with more manufacturers more, right? Like like I just see that a manufacturer can really have success with four to six cars. So if we want 26 to 32 great cars to line up on a Sunday, that's five or six different brands. And I, and I think um, you know, bragging rights mean more when the competition's tougher. And Absolutely. while NASCAR is very tough, and I, I'm not knocking that, you bring in two – it's only going to get, you know, more difficult. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, it's funny we talk about branding and manufacturers because the next place I'm going to go is the exact opposite. Cars that don't look like anything you can buy, but I think every um, American can recognize an Indy car or a Champ car. Mm -hmm. um, late 90s, like 99 to mid-2000s, Toyota basically owned that. I mean, if there was a podium, you guys were on it. Um, well, capping it off with what? Oh, <laughs> three. Didn't Gilda, was it Gilda? So Gilda Farron, uh, yep. Roger Penske won uh, with, uh, Toyota at the Indy 500. So I want to know, is the story true that when Toyota was going open wheel racing, Roger wanted in the captain who I don't know how many dealerships he owns, but he has to be number one, right? For Toyota. He is the biggest. Okay. So I heard he wanted in and I heard that Toyota respectively declined and went their own way. Like, how do you, I want to know who had to make that call. Well, so, you know, actually, Roger, uh, funny story. <laughs> so, so rewind, um, and you look at uh, 1993, which was our last year in IMSA GTP. And, uh, you know, during that year, the global decision was made to go IndyCar racing. Mm -hmm. You know, this was, it wasn't just a, a U.S., you know, this, this came from Japan as well. Honestly, Steve, I think... I think it was an exercise at the time um, to get the company to Formula One, ultimately. Right. But um, Well, because globally, Toyota being a global company, exactly. I don't think that's enough. So I'm very proud of American motorsports. I think NASCAR is as tough as it can be. I think we learned this year at the Indy 500 that it's perhaps tougher than some people imagined to even make the race. But in the end, doesn't matter the competition, doesn't matter any of that. Global audience – Nothing will match what Formula One is. I mean, it's no different than, than World Cup anything. Right? Exactly. Like if it gets on a world stage, it's a completely different level. That's right. That's right. So, so it it was a uh, it was a major decision for for TRD. It was probably one of the biggest inflection points in that forty year um, journey that we've been on because because we were not capable. We were not even remotely capable. Of doing it by ourselves, so we—it was a partnership between ourselves and and uh, and our colleagues in Japan. Um, fast forward at the end of that era, we had built the tools and the competency to um, you know to have a lot of success going forward. But uh, 
but rewinding back to the to the start so okay we're gonna go um and as you as you reference roger penske got wind of it roger is is one of toyota's most important people he is a been a great partner he and greg are 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 like family he has you know he has a bat phone he can talk to anybody <laughs> right. you know right. in in a company that yeah. he wants he doesn't go through the switchboard no yeah <laughs> right and uh right. and so um so that 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 is a story that i i have come to tell it is absolutely true roger was at the time and, and i need to go back and research this but at the time he was between manufacturers mm-hmm. and um and of course, Roger owned this engine engineering company called Ilmore. Right. Right. And uh, and he basically um, went to our top management and said, uh, "Guys, I understand you uh, interested in uh, in going IndyCar racing. Um, I'd love to be a partner. Um, if you can knock out a couple of valve covers, we're ready to go. Yeah. Right. 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 We've got this fully developed yeah. um, engine." ready to go and uh and somehow um our top management had the nerve mm. to uh, very respectfully um decline and 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 tell Roger that we'd really like to try and and do this ourselves and um and 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 really Steve that that period I I will mark as the most difficult professionally um it, it, any way you want to cater, categorize it of of my uh you know my era with TRD it was ag- agonizing we so connect it back so yeah. currently you're the president so to right. this time frame of your role at TRD yes. what position are you in at this point I was I was actually getting my hands dirty a little bit I was okay. actually a practicing engineer okay but I, I used to have Cal. I actually <laughs> used to own a toolbox, so I can relate. I can relate. It has yeah. been a long time. But. but 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 we were a very immature company. I was also the head of HR, and and um, you know we didn't have. It wasn't. It was just this little yeah, kind right. of speed shop, and we had a couple. I was the first engineer hired. You know, thirty years. It's ridiculous to think about it because I was never a very good engineer. <laughs> um, but but I I I started to appreciate that fairly early on, and. You know, there were no rule books within the company. There was no, mm-hmm. you know, the org chart. I, I think I built our first org chart. Right. But the, um, it was, it was an opportunity that was ripe for somebody that, if you wanted to take it on, go for it, Dave. And I just started doing more and more, um, putting our budgets together. Um, I mean, just, just about everything. Uh, but, but, really, the most importantly, um, started to bring. More talent and, and talented people into the organization. So I was not in that meeting with Roger. Well, believe I me. I, I want to know though at what point because I know at some point the call came to you and it was we turned this down and we can't mess it. Like you can't turn him down and then fail. Yeah. Well, it it like it, you needed more pressure. It uh, we almost did fail. It was it was really ugly and we uh, we had a, a tremendous amount to learn. Um, just you know culturally, Steve. One of the challenges was going down this path, um, you know, taking on another partner uh, from Japan. It was the first time we'd done that. And, um, and building, again, building a sense of trust and, and um, building a working environment that mm-hmm. was, was productive. But, uh, but the, the fact is, at the time, we couldn't get it done by ourselves. We needed help. 
So they brought in, you know, uh, engineers, designers who, who moved to the U.S. and worked with us side by side. And, uh, and we experienced a lot of failure. And uh, I, I always say uh, that without, without failing, you don't really know what success is. You, you can't appreciate success. But, uh, you know, the, the, the mid-'90s, um, we were, we were figuring, trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, we started competing in 1996. But, but back up. <clears throat> so the, the, the goal, I mean, the, the mecca was yep. the Indy 500, right? As it should be. Right. So, so much like I bragged on Formula One, let's be clear from the NASCAR guy, the biggest automobile race in the world will, and in my mind, will always be the Indy 500. I mean, since I was a little kid, even when my dad was a stock car guy, right. it didn't matter. The Indy 500 was it. It, it was the place. It's, it's got to be er- on everybody's top three. but, but yeah, I have my bucket list, right? So I've done the NASCAR world. Mm-hmm. some point in my life, I want to call the strategy at Le Mans. And I want to call a strategy at the Indy 500. If I can somehow pull that off in my next 30 years, then that's it. Then my time in racing will have been completely uh, satisfied. So, right. yeah, so the goal was the Indy yeah, 500. the Indy 500. And, and we, we actually, in 1994, we took a, a mule, a Lola mule with Dan Gurney and a Judd engine, V8 engine, to the speedway. And... Uh, and we raced lap, you know, not raced. We we practiced, yeah. we tested right. in '94, and then of course, you know, fast forward, uh, Tony George decides he's going to take his speedway a yep. <laughs> uh, different direction. Yep. And and all the the, the powerhouses of the sport, right? The the Penskes mm-hmm. and the Haases and and the Ganassis, they and, and and the manufacturers. Right. We all went well. We're champ car, right? right. It, was, it was the new era. And remember, we went heads up. You remember the first year, not 2006, we went heads up against the Indy 500 in Michigan. I'll never forget. I remember it was that. the US 500. Right, right. And, uh, and it, was the, the, it was foolish, to say the least. Well, it, 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 <laughs> agree or disagree, the bargaining chip of owning the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was ultimately yes. the most important chip in the room, I yes. think, at that time. Um, but, but it was... Um, it was a very uh, interesting era for for open wheel racing. Number one, and, yes. and and for Toyota, but we, you know, we didn't get to the speedway until two thousand three. Um, but but we 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 got there because ultimately we we did experience some success that you alluded to, and you know, partnerships with Chip Ganassi. I mean, Juan Montoya won our very first race, June fifth, two thousand, Milwaukee Speedway. We have his driver suit and helmet encased. In, in Costa Mesa, um, you know, those achievements, you know, you you always will never forget. Right. It will never forget your first win, your first, you know, championship. But, uh, you know, partnering with with folks like, like Chip and Carl Haas um, and, and eventually Penske. So yeah, right. It eventually came back around. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I like to say that was the ultimate healing mm-hmm. because it wasn't it wasn't received well, right? And, right. Uh, but we we got to winter circle together uh, in the end, and that was that was very special. So in 03, DeFerrin, right? Jill DeFerrin. Jill DeFerrin. 03 Toyota Penske car. Yes, that was a Penske car. Yeah, it was a Penske car. I can still, you know, the marble, the red and whites. I mean, yes. the famous paint schemes. Iconic. Yeah. Um, but but here's here's the other side of that, Steve. And and uh, I remember that year we we won. 
gosh, we won almost every, like 13 out of 16 mm -hmm. races. We won the race in Japan, uh, Motegi. But I can remember shortly after winning the Indy 500, one of our, our top management in the U.S. basically looked at at us, you know, me and uh, right. and Lee and and Jim Austin's like, okay, guys, can we can we stop now? We, we're done, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and 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 the back back story to that is um, a large part of our company just didn't care. They, you know, I, I think it, it mimicked, you know, a lot of the, the motorsports audience in the U.S. at the time. Yep. You know, the, the open wheel, unfortunately, had become fractured. And, and I always say, if, if you put a pin on a calendar of 1996, you know, coincidentally, our entry into open wheel racing, mm -hmm. you can chart the meteoric rise of NASCAR alongside the meteoric decline of of indycar and so um, we realized you know that this probably wasn't going to end well and that's when we you know that's that's when we started you know talking to um some new friends so yeah so that's going to be my next statement but before i move to the nascar world i'm, I'm not going to leave the indycar world quite yet so you talk about new manufacturers in nascar mm -hmm. so flip it indycar having a little resurgence. Uh, Jay Fry, who you and I yes. both are friends with, um, where his name will come up, I'm sure, later, is currently over there at the IndyCar side. Is there any chance on the spot, and you don't have to answer, that's the beauty of a podcast, <laughs> would TRD, and perhaps more importantly, you personally, yeah. ever want another shot to go back and then win the Indy 500 with a Toyota? Okay, so <laughs> so you, you use the operative word of want, Want absolutely. Yep. I mean, we um, we don't categorize our our affinity for motorsports like you were talking about earlier. We we love racing, right? And in any form of racing, um, I, I would love for us to have a shot to go back. It's just you'd love to give that call from whoever up the chain at absolutely. Toyota has to say we have whatever reason, marketing reason we want. Yes. We want to be back there. Absolutely, and 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 if it if it makes sense. If it continues, um, it continues to grow, which which I'm rooting for, Jay and and in IndyCar, then yeah, then um, then hopefully uh, that that could be on the horizon. I, you know, this this year, Steve, I, I I don't I never I didn't hide from it. I was at the Speedway. Right. I wasn't in Charlotte that weekend. I decided that I needed to invest the time um, to check on the health of open wheel racing, and I was blown away i bumped into you yeah, yeah and sam flood in the lobby yeah, I think. it was my first my first <laughs> trip um on my uh memorial days have been very busy for years and this one was yeah. open so uh nbc is also very proud to be back in indycar racing and we were there for uh the first indy 500 on nbc and i had to go i there's just no way i had a little bit of work thursday friday but i had to see what this indy 500 was all about and i was absolutely not let down at all um the place is amazing. The the day is amazing. The race is amazing. Um, but that moves me right into the, the magical question, and there's so much we could talk about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to uh, not spend too much of your time, but I think you've answered the why of NASCAR. But but the approach. So I don't think everyone realizes. You know, it didn't start in trucks. It didn't start Robert. Robert Huffman. In a goodies dash car. My buddy. I mean, yeah. and, and, and I say this because, um, and I know you are on the engineering side. 
But there was really two things in my mind as a NASCAR guide through this whole time. There was the respect internally of the competitors and what we're trying to do to race and to win. And then there was this winning over or you know, convincing the fan base that this, even though so many cars are built in America and based in Texas, like we now know all the facts. But back right. then, this is pre-Twitter, this is pre-instant yep. stuff, you had to convince this hardcore NASCAR fan base who loves American motorsports that this Japanese-owned base company was going to come in. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of layers to this entry into NASCAR. Yeah, there, there really were, Steve. And, and uh, as, as I alluded to, it started with, with us kind of um, seeing the writing on the wall and, and recognizing that, you know, ultimately our, our security as Toyota's Motorsports engineering arm um, was in jeopardy. And we needed to to look elsewhere. NASCAR was killing it, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I'm years. I'm not sure we knew it. Is that I, fair to it, say? No, like, like I right. go back and look at pictures of races, and I was like, "Holy smokes, that was a big thing." <laughs> but but we, you know, we we had people within the sport, within the family, quoted as saying, "You know, if it weren't for the drivers, we'd race fifty weekends." Yeah. I mean, right? <laughs> you, you couldn't add enough. I know. Seats. You're right. You're I mean, right. Um, but but uh, it it was the the obvious target and uh, and yet we knew certainly that you know it, it was going to be a polarizing consideration. So so years and years before we ever turned a wheel um, in anger, we started this feasibility study, and I was right in the middle of it. This is one of the things I'm I'm, I'm honestly most proud of is helping our company get into the sport but we 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 went to a lot of races and we started talking to um the the nascar fans and in coming to understand how polarizing it would be we we came to understand that in this form of sport it's all about the driver and and that gave us a lot of our strategy that we employed when we came in the sport. But, uh, you know, with, with the Goodies Dash series, obviously a, a regional touring series at the yep. time, it was about um, establishing and kind of this under-the-radar uh, approach, working with some of the, the NASCAR officials. Um, I mean, Wayne Auten, we met years and years. Jerry Cook, yep. we met in the Goodies Dash era. And it was... You know that that kind of the intangible of letting them get to know who we were and how we did things. Um, you know, Robert Huffman uh, will will always be one of the very important people in 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 our um, you know journey. You know, he and and his family and um, because they they helped they helped us along that journey, but. Uh, but we we would do these these surveys and um, engage the fans again, understanding. And so so here's here's an anecdote, right? When when we would ask a fan, what is you, you know how do you feel about Toyota entering NASCAR? And you're going to get a very black and white answer. It's going to be very positive or very negative. Right. A lot of very negative, right? Right. But but if you rephrase the question, how would you feel if Jeff Gordon drove a Toyota right, in right. NASCAR. Yeah. And uh, again, it's all about the driver. Mm-hmm. And again, you're still going to get some negativity, but 
but you start to see it shift and and the reaction from a lot of fans is well if Jeff Gordon says they're okay then they must be okay right 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 and and so so one you know picking the right team partners initially um in 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 the in the truck series you know Bill Davis racing um you know, Larry McReynolds was a team owner at one. You know, you right. remember, remember Bang Racing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Alex Meshkin, and Larry <laughs> Mack. Yep. And, um, it it didn't end well, but no, it's, well, it's part well, of the story, right? It's actually part of most most race teams, <laughs> I, not just NASCAR. It doesn't exactly. matter. They, when they dissolve, it never yeah. goes good. So you start in Goody's Dash, you end up in trucks, but then the the year comes, 07. Yeah. Your guys are going cup racing. Yep. Um, Great year. I don't know why you picked the year we had two different body styles. and I mean, because I was a crew chief in 07. So I hope this makes you feel good that 07 was my absolute greatest year and my biggest defeat in the same year. Cause I know why. It, it, yeah, yeah, it was all about but you, listening to your podcast. Yeah, so, so, so 2007, <laughs> uh, make sure I get this right. Bill Davis yes. was a Toyota team. Red Bull came on That's as right. a two-car. That's Scott right. Speed, Brian Vickers, was that the original driver lineup? Is that right? Or was it A.J.? It might have been AJ yeah, and Vickers. Yeah, yep. And MWR yes. with three cars. I don't even know where we should start in 07. Let's start right at the beginning. Um, and I'm not going to relive it all, yeah. but you go to Daytona. Huge controversy with the MWR car in qualifying. At any point, did you go down to one of the restaurants in Daytona and sit at the bar and ask yourself, what in the hell have we done? Right? Like, like because I wanted it was, to. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. picking on anybody. Yeah, Listen. Yeah. We've all hey. there's a lot of water under the bridge, but to to be this huge brand, to come today, and you just talk about how much time you guys spent in just understanding what hurdles. I'm sure that hurdle never even came across anyone's desk. Nobody could have predicted something like that. Right. So so that was right at Daytona. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, we 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 laugh about it mostly now. And um, time fixes a lot of things it, I've it learned. It does. But, but, but again, coming back to, you know, wanting to really do this the right way, mm -hmm. you know, pick, pick good partners. Um, and, you know, these, these were going to be the first touch points for a lot of fans, yeah. you know, these drivers and, and, and teams and team owners. We wanted to be respectful to the fans and to the sport. And what a and mix, though. You had that new team with Red Bull with so much excitement. Yes. Right? Bringing and a new team into the sport. That, it's outstanding, right? Bill Davis is as old school, old school. as it comes. Absolutely. And then Michael, who it's a new team, but with an old name, exactly. right? Like there's so many good yes. mixes. And, and again, that was very, very strategic, very intentional. Um, and Michael's been a, a wonderful partner over there. I'll, I'll come back to that. But yeah, so, so we. we we get to Daytona, and sure enough, um, in tech, uh, I'll never forget. Uh, we we got called to the to the hauler because they found a foreign <laughs> a substance in the intake manifold of of one of uh, our engines. And it and was I know at this point you're like, that's impossible. What am I going? <laughs> I, I I know. Yeah, we 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 built those engines, and it wasn't there. I know when we right. when we shipped them from Costa Mesa. But um, y you know, here's the here's the the backdrop is is you know Michael and 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 Ty right, a brand new team, mm -hmm. and he's got UPS, he's got uh, Domino's, yep. um, Napa I think was on one Napa. Yep. I mean, and in uh, in the in the, in the uh, you know in the limelight in the, you know, the biggest in, at our Super Bowl right oh, yeah. and so much pressure. And and Steve, 2007, we weren't ready to go racing. Right. We weren't ready. 
our engines weren't good enough. Our mm-hmm. cars weren't good enough. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I think it, it, it led to some um, poor decisions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, and, I, I, and, we, none and, of us are immune from that. Yeah. So. And, and, but the, the, the thing that, 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 we, that we struggled with uh, is, is even for Toyota, while NASCAR obviously is a U.S. effort, and, and, and this whole effort has been you. It hasn't been a partnership with Japan. But we're still part of Toyota. Yeah, right. And, and I can remember being on the phone with our colleagues in Japan, trying to get them to understand what this was. Mm. Because, you know, it, it's just, you know, the culture of NASCAR and, and the, this kind of stuff can happen on occasion. Yes. Um, they didn't understand that. Correct. It's like, so your team was cheating? I mean, so... Um, that, that is the, the sports fan. What you just described is the struggle for every American sports fan when there's a technical issue in NASCAR. Because they're okay with, and I don't know why, but they're okay with a holding penalty in football or a flagrant foul right. or throwing at a batter in baseball. Right? right. But when there is a violation on a technical side, they do not absorb it well. Yeah. So I can only imagine trying to do that across some international waters. That must have <laughs> – man, that must have been a great but, – but, you know, so the controversy was one thing. But then 07, like – We sucked. Ra- making races was not easy. It was – like I, I don't think we can even think uh, – 12 years ago, it wasn't 36, 37, line up the cars that came. No, no, no. It's 45, 46, 47 cars, 43 started, and four loaded their stuff up on Friday afternoon. Yeah. And it was a tough, tough road – I mean, at, at some point, you know, how, I guess how tough was 07? You know, you mentioned how tough IndyCar was. Yeah. It was, was NASCAR different? Was it tougher? Was it easier? Like, like where was it in 07? So, so here, here's the difference. The stage was bigger in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. There, there were more people that cared. There, yes. You know, yeah, because this was, the, what, the 10th year in a row of sellout Bristol. I mean, we talked. Exactly. I mean, it, was a it, was, huge it was a big spotlight. story, and, and it, was, it was a new manufacturer. Entering the sport, so we so we were the news, mm-hmm. and 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 a lot of times not in the way that we would have preferred to be the news. Yep, um, not all bad though. I remember, I'll never forget. Um, I want to say it was Great Clips Black Paint Scheme. The Leffler drove an RP right. uh, to the win, the first Camry win, right? Yes. Wasn't it, Jason that was, Leffler? That was two thousand seven. That was uh, great. It's funny um, that these marks in my like. Do you do you remember who who our first pole winner was in the cup? Series, first pole winner, and I got a funny yeah anecdote to match that up against. Yeah, first pole winners it happened in two thousand seven, actually, unbelievably. No, I don't. Dave Blaney, New Hampshire. Oh, I do remember this. Yeah. Now that you say that, yeah, I still have a cap, a Budweiser. I think it was a Budweiser pole yeah, back it's then. Probably Bud pole, Bud, yeah, Bud, Bud pole with with Dave's <laughs> signature on it, and uh, and that was two thousand seven. And so the funny funny story is is 13 years later we're 23 races in and we still don't have a pole. I, I think know, yeah, I think Blaney me, I won that in the first I know. you know 15 I, races or something. So I say that every time this year because I have to cover them and they're like, "What do you think?" I'm like, it's got to happen. It's got to happen, right? You know. No, I, I hear you, and and I've I've I've, oh. I've adopted some perverse pride now at being 0 and 23, but <laughs> still having won 11 races. So listen, uh, just to remind everyone sitting here with the president of TRD, David Wilson, we're here at apparently we're going to call this TRD Salisbury. It's the East Coast location for TRD. TRD's basically involvement in all of racing, not just NASCAR, um, but 
probably most well-known to this fan base as, mask, as the NASCAR support team. We're going to get to you personally, but real quick, <laughs> 07, we talked about how tough it was, and then it kind of, I'm not going to say moves along, but I'm going to say it moves along. Somewhere in the middle there, uh, you get the promotion to president, like 13, if my timing's right, 2013 time frame? I, uh, 13 or 14. It was more ish. of a business card reprint. It, 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 yeah, I understand yeah. as a guy that worked at one company for yeah. a long time. <laughs> but now take me to the, the Toyota everyone sees currently. Was there a bigger moment for TRD than Homestead 2015 when the championship, when, when this path to NASCAR ended up as the champion in the yeah. Premier Series? That that has to be uh, the top of the the top of the list, Steve. To to culminate in a, a Cup Drivers Championship. That that is why why we race. And uh, and that that entire year was you, you, you couldn't make it up. It it, it uh, again as we say often it, it transcends sports. What Kyle Busch did, and and for Kyle. For Kyle to check that box in some way was absolutely appropriate. He won our first cup race mm-hmm. in at Atlanta in 2008. Um, Kyle has been our nemesis. He, you know, we would go into meetings with him um, over the years, you know, and he would, he'd be, pretty nasty yeah you know and, and he's he's one of the toughest customers when you're that talented you don't have to have a lot of polish that's what i've <laughs> learned because he because i was there the day that rick hendrick walked in and told us that kyle bush would no longer be driving hendrick motorsports yeah and his exact quote was the reason i'm not going to go into all the reasons but yeah. he said i know there'll be a lot of days i regret this decision because he's that good yeah. but this is the decision i need to make for this company yeah. and and He's unbelievable. So that leads me to, so is, is, this is my follow-up. Is there any single person that has been more important to Toyota as a race car driver than Kyle Busch? No. Because in my mind, he is the face of the brand. And, and I don't mean to discount. Like, you're very fortunate to have a stable full of great yep. race car drivers. But but the the, the the guy's won over 200 NASCAR races, 55 Cup. I mean, the, the, he's unbelievable. Well, and and to to finish finish out my 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 perspective, which isn't all negative on Kyle. He he is a tough customer. He has tested our relationship, and and there are great stories that surround that. But but in the end, he has made us better. Mm-hmm. He, he you know he he leans on us, um, and and he's not just toughened us up. But um, he's made TRD better. The product that comes out of TRD is better because of Kyle Busch. And, um, and, and that's, in the end, that's really what matters. So uh, he, is, he is a talent that uh, is very unique. And, um, and we, are, we are just fortunate that we've had the chance to, to race with him. I get the question all the time. Who would you like to coach you for if you ever had the chance? And I say Kyle Busch. And the simple fact is, why it may end with me dragging him out of the car by the helmet and me getting fired, I never would question what he's doing behind the wheel. And I see that from the broadcast booth. You don't have to like what he says in the meetings, yeah. and people don't have to like how he handles the thing. But never, ever, ever do I doubt when he drives down the front stretch and rolls off into turn one, his goal is to go through that set of corners as fast as possible. And sometimes it's as simple as that, right? Like, I want a guy that, that – what everybody doesn't like is in today's world of PC and bigger business, he's a race car driver. He he loves 
he loves to race. He'd be ra- racing regardless of right. right. You know, so why he supports Toyota and yeah. M and M's and all these other brands? Yeah. He he, you know, he's not off working on his 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 LLC or his S Corp. Is it? He is a race car driver seven days a week, yeah. and he has the faults of a race car driver, which yeah. is which is wonderful. So so one story, you know, relatively early on, we had the the cadre of TRD or excuse me JGR drivers come through our facility in Costa Mesa. Yep, and this is where everything engine related comes out of. And Kyle spent three hours on that tour. He basically dictated the pace because he wanted he picked up he, he would pick up a crankshaft mm-hmm. and look at it. It's like why why eight bolts and not and, and, and not ten, you know. Um, every you know, he was I mean this this was like amazing to him. Mm-hmm. He, he he loved it, he was engaged. Other drivers were like eighth graders on a field trip, right? right? You know, 30 minutes in, they're ready for snack time. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, Kyle takes his craft um, seriously. Again, he has his uh, moments, but um, we're all human. So. Well, so now as much as the listener doesn't want to believe this, you are not TRD. You're actually an employee of TRD. And I joke because we've talked so much about TRD, <laughs> but I want to talk about you spe- so I, uh, this information I couldn't find. Where did you go to college? Virginia Tech. Oh, I should have known that a hokey. So I didn't <laughs> so go to college, so you can't blame me. My well, wife went to Syracuse. So. Well, and, and and let me just 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 take that that nugget. So I grew up an army brat. And, okay. And I, I I was born in Germany, and and college was actually the first place where I ever lived more than two or three years consecutively. But I I did spend one of my years in high school in Washington, D.C. My father was stationed at the Pentagon. And guess who is just like God in Washington, D.C.? Yeah. Coach Gibbs. Yeah, coach. Right? Oh, yeah. So it it took, I mean, it took me a while just to wrap my head around, you know, working with, with Coach. Oh, he's the guy. I mean, you I deliver mean, Super Bowls. You're the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. And, oh. and, and, and now he... he, he yeah, he calls me every week, every day, just in, during some crises, right? Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And I need the, your help. Or and the polish is worn off. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so how does an Army brat who goes to engineering school, Yeah. W- where did the love of cars, because there's a lot of cool engineering jobs in the yeah. world, and, and I want every engineer that listens to this to understand this. You better love cars and racing if you're going to be an engineer in racing because it's – it's not as nice as other professions. The gratifications are way greater, yeah. and the sacrifices are way greater. It's it's a ridiculous profession, honestly, to choose. So, so how how it's nonsensical. how? So so here here's my 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 simple um, backdrop. Coming out of high school, really, there were two things that that I wanted to be or intended to be. One, I was going to be a soldier. I was going to be a career soldier. Mm-hmm. So on on my family side, my father's side, we go back to the to the American Revolution, wow! And and almost every generation has spent someone has has made a career uh, serving our country, and that for me was it was just the way it was going to be. Yep. And um, and Virginia Tech, in addition to having a really good uh, engineering school, had a corps of cadets. So I was a member of the corps of cadets. I was commissioned a second lieutenant in the regular army uh, when I graduated. Um, and uh, and and off I went to Fort Campbell, the 101st Airborne. But the other aspiration that I had was to be an engineer, and uh, I didn't. Qu- 
quite know what kind of engineer. I you know, studied mechanical engineering. It seemed to be pretty broad. Um, my brother and I loved cars. My, it came from my dad. I still remember my first you know, formative experience was in Germany watching a jalopy race, literally a figure-eight jalopy race in Germany. I was like, wow, that is so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and through high school, um, my brother and I, we, we restored uh, Mustangs. Um, one of my, my best friends, his dad was, was into Mustangs, and he would pay us minimum wage, and, and we got to learn front to back and learn about cars mm-hmm. and, and the mechanics uh, of, of cars, but didn't really connect the dots until later in life. Um, when I was serving, I, I did realize that I wasn't going to be an engineer. They loved you know, the fact that you had that, that discipline, that um, background, but you're going to be a soldier first. And so um, one of the hardest decisions as a young man that I made was to give up my, my commission and pursue an engineering degree. I was recruited out of the, the service by four or five companies. One of them was Johnson & Johnson. Um, moved to uh, New Jersey uh, and worked for, uh, for J&J in a plant, a manufacturing plant in, in Milltown, New Jersey, and managed a crew of mechanics and uh, union mechanics and electricians and worked, you know, worked shift, did shift work and I was basically this kind of management trainee, right? And uh, and sometimes I think back, wow, what, what would have happened if my brother didn't call about eighteen months into that? My brother was screwing together engines at this little shop called TRD in in uh, wow. in Gardena, California, and he called me. He's like, Dave, we need some help. We need an engineer. And uh, he convinced me to get on a plane and and fly out. Um, I interviewed. I didn't know what I was doing, Steve. Honestly, I still don't today. But um, it makes two of us <laughs> totally acceptable. Yeah, and and largely based upon my brother's reputation, who went on to Formula One success. I mean, we're a racing family, but but on his reputation, they made me an offer um, and gave me eight hundred dollars in cash to relocate my entire existence from New Jersey to, to California. And it was it was not a it was not a rational decision. I'll give Some you that. Some of the greatest ones are not, though. <laughs> but it was it was an emotional. It was it was one filled with passion, and um, and, and I, I towed a uh, an '85 BMW with a surfboard out the sunroof because I was determined to to take up surfing. And, <laughs> I mean, if you and, go to California, you have to, right? Yeah, and that was that was 30 years ago. That is that is amazing. So I have uh, every everybody has a story for this. Thirty years. What's the closest moment of leaving TRD? What's the one phone call that rang that you said, you know what, I need to at least answer this call or go to this dinner or go to this. I I my mine's simple. I was still a tire guy. I was called as a tire guy to go be. Um, it's funny because the gentleman works for you, Slugger Labby called me, and I was going to be Kenny Owens' tire guy, and that was one that. I really considered taking, and then from there, I never left. But over 30 years, you must have had the one. So um, I've had a couple. And, and honestly, Steve, it, it wasn't necessarily uh, being recruited out of there. It was, it was quitting. It was the, the stress, uh, the emotional toll. Um, I haven't always worked for princes along the way. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. My, my first boss, uh, the late Drino Miller, and 
Southern Californians who, who are racers, midget racers, um, off-roaders will know that name. He's, he's a bit of a legend. Won the 1967 uh, Baja 1000. But he, um, he was a difficult person to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, it's, and I look back and, it, and it's kind of ironic because uh, I, I, think, I don't think I would be sitting here today if I had not undergone his tutelage. But I remember in the parking lot one morning, you know, he's met, met me in the parking lot and it just, just, I mean, 6.30 in the morning. Right, right. And, and I, I dropped my laptop and said, see ya. Right. I'm out of here. And I drove over to the local Denny's and had a Grand Slam and a cup of coffee. And I came back and it's like, this isn't, I, you know, this has been too hard. And uh, I have too many people that were, um, were not dependent on me, but looked to me as a young engineer, as a young leader. And I felt the loyalty that uh, it caused me to come back. But it, it was, you know, as, as you referenced, this can be just a brutal, brutal sport. Oh, and, y- and, yes. And the hours that, that, that you put into it, there isn't a... There isn't a clock. There isn't a calendar. I was looking at the calendar. We're, we're like week 32 or 33. I've been on the road for 28 weeks this year, right? I have a 15-year-old daughter that's just starting her sophomore year. Today is her first day of school. That's one of the days that I've always prided myself in being home for, you know, to see her off. But, you know, she's she's in high school. She's not as a my son starts next week, and I think yeah. he could care. If he had his license, he wouldn't even need me to get <laughs> exactly. there. So, so I. But it, it's it's tough yeah. on on the family. No. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and there's there's more stories that I'm sure we could trade uh, on on that side of it. But the the flip side of it um, is, I I cannot uh, I can't I can't believe the opportunity that I've had. I'm so lucky, and and I love what I do. I work. The, the best part for me is is the people that I work with, um, and uh, I again somehow they let me stand up front, which which is questionable. I literally get have fear, like panic attacks at times that I'm going to wake up and everybody's going to realize that this is really all I can do, and it's not going to be good enough. Even after all these years, right? Like like I, I'm the like same Somebody's going to be like, like, wait a second, like. <laughs> He's got to give up. This is it. This is all, you know, so it's, so I understand completely. Um, So I got some quick hitters here that we always do. And then we're going to have a little conversation about the facility. Um, All right. Some quick hitters. What would David Wilson today go back and tell David Wilson of 2000s entering NASCAR? What's the one advice, piece of advice that he, he should know? Um, relationships, relationships, relationships. I think that's fair. So you're going to like, and these go all over the place. All right. So you're the big traveler. Are you an explorer? Or are you the routine guy? Like when you go to that town, do you go to the same restaurant, same coffee shop, or do you explore? Um, first 10 years, I never even knew which town I was in most of the time. Um, current 10 years, I try to actually See what's around me. Yes, okay. whether it's going for a run in the morning or or trying that restaurant that I've seen for the last twenty five years. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
are you a chain hotel? Like, are you one brand Marriott. hotel lawyer? Okay, because I asked that, and pe- some people look at you like, what are you talking about? And then there are some that have the instant answer. Okay, are you well, like the, the the movie Up in the Air? Just have you seen that? I George have. Clooney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. all about the points, man. Okay, so uh, everybody has a go-to drink. Uh, Grey Goose Martini Up. No vermouth, blue cheese, stuffed olives. I feel like me, you, and uh, TJ have been around. I've seen one of those. Um, <laughs> Non-Toyota. There's a, most people, it's their dream car, but for you, i got to put a rule in. It can't be a Toyota. So what is your, your dream car? Um, 68 Fastback, um, you know, the Bullet Mustang. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I have a, a 69 uh, Mach 1 in the garage right now that my brother and I built. Uh, 40 years ago. That's amazing. And uh, it's still there. So tinker with. That's awesome. Um, favorite and least favorite airport. Everyone has. So same thing. Non-travelers don't yeah, know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know. You got to have one. Oh, yeah. Um, so favorite w- would be my, my hometown airport of, of Orange County. Okay. It's it's still got a little bit of the, the small airport charm. It's seven miles. Um, I, I You know, if I'm carrying on my new game, is from wake up to walking on the plane. How how quick? Oh, you know, I've squeezed I it down. <laughs> I squeezed it down. So my new thing is I pull up to the curb at Charlotte Douglas at boarding time. That's my new one. Now, if you can pull that off, that's yeah. so great. Now, you can only do those on ones that can affordably be missed. Like you can't be going to a meeting, like a, like a morning travel for yeah. late afternoon work that you know there's a backup plan. So if I have a 9 o'clock and I know it boards at 820, yeah. that's what time I want to hit the curb at Charlotte Douglas is 820. Yeah. So that's – So l- least favorite um, – I was just through one of them the other day. So sh- Charlotte isn't one of my favorites. It's still kind of in transition. It's all, um, and, and ending here is if you check a bag, forget about it because they're they're you know can, all the connections come first. First bag ever lost, Charlotte. First oh. and, and only bag I've ever lost in three years, Charlotte. Uh, um, uh, Dallas isn't my favorite, and and I'm you know, I'm, I'm more of a United Flyer, so they're more of an American. Yeah, uh, Laguardia gets me every time. Oh. I won't. Newark. You got to go Newark. You got to go to Newark. Yeah. I, Forget yeah. LaGuardia or JFK. I know. Newark I know. Is, and then I don't like Washington Dulles because the stupid trams that you have to ride between all the stuff. You can't even walk. Like I like yeah. the. I like if I have to run, I'll run. I want it yeah. on my own. I don't have to wait on a tram. So, the, the we could go. We, yeah. we maybe we should do like oh, yeah. a travelers podcast. <laughs> exactly. Put everybody on a headset. Um, so just to remind everybody, he's talking to the president of TRD, David Wilson. And let's talk about the facility. We are sitting in TRD Salisbury. I got a tour. The place is amazing. This is the small TRD facility, the one in, uh, out in California, much larger, about 50 people or so work mm-hmm. here. So many different things. Um, you have the the driver sim where mm-hmm. they go in and they literally drive. It's, it's amazing. Um, I think NBC actually did a piece uh, with Jeff Burton, so you could Google that if you're listening to this, and you could see the video of it. You have a bunch of other tools. Just in your own words, though, why is this facility? Because this could all happen other places. Right. Why is it so valuable to right. be here in North Carolina? So, number one, when Toyota came in the sport, when TRD came in the sport, Steve, we were an engine engineering company, not a motorsports engineering company, an engine engineering company. And and one of the first things that we learned is as a manufacturer in the sport of NASCAR, you had certain responsibilities that that required you to build some expertise on the car side. You know, you had to submit the the, the bodies if you wanted to do body, and and so um, so we intentionally decided to expand our um, areas of competence. 
we understood at the time, back to our, our question about the polarizing nature, we understood that it was important to demonstrate to the community um, that we were committed to the sport of NASCAR. So, you know, where we're sitting right now is, is what I call a, a brick and mortar example of Toyota's long-term commitment to the sport. But, um, but really, it comes down to kind of our philosophy that we've engaged in the sport from, from day one. And that is to try and build uh, teams and, and a framework for our teams to, to work together on some level, to have some, some forms of collaboration, and to provide them a facility that's an ex- that can be an extension of their facilities. Uh, for our, our truck team, Xfinity team, um, you know, K&N, ARCA, for, you know, those, most of them are very modest, mm-hmm. modestly resourced. And, and we can really move the needle for them in, in having, you know, giving them an opportunity to use some of these tools. Um, so that was kind of the, the framework that we built this this um, facility around but as you as you witnessed yourself it's it's full of um, you know engineers technicians the beauty of of the model that we have is is we don't we don't go racing on Sundays our team partners go racing right right yes we have we have a tangible product in the in the Toyota engine that we have to deliver Um, but from this facility there's not a hard part that goes into that racing car mm-hmm. right so so that gives us the the liberty and the freedom to um come up with tools uh innovations that that maybe in the grind that our teams are engaged in they just don't have mm-hmm. the time you know vehicle sims existed before we came in the sport yeah. right i mean yep. they, they you know really came from formula one and i'm sure other teams have thought about Hey, maybe this is something that would be worth looking at, but it it took us three years easily before the teams, before the drivers would would give that any credence because it you know it just took a lot of development. So you know we have the freedom to fail here, and we fail much more than we succeed. For every project, for every you know driver sim, there's there's nine things that just right you know, rabbit holes that we went down that, that, that weren't good. But, um, um, but it's, it's amazed me though, how Toyota, you know, we all are only realize what's happening now and the dominance is impressive, but I was in the garage those days where frankly, and I'll say it to your friend, we didn't worry about the Toyota because we outran you so bad down the straightaway that I didn't worry if you ever figured out the corner. And, and I was probably one of the list that, Shame on us for not believing in what you guys believed in, which is there was a goal, there was a, p- a plan, and it took time. And now we see it on the racetrack. You know, uh, bravo for what you guys have done. I, I know how difficult it is um, to do things differently in this garage area. It's not looked upon, but you guys did it, and now you're being copied by others. And I always, always said that's the best form of flattery is when someone thinks – that uh, what you do is so good, they're going to try to do it like you. So uh, I think that's great. Listen, David, I appreciate the time. Much like TRD, um, your humility, I think, is what surprises me the most because I've met you probably 20 different times in 20 different places, and no one would ever know the position, uh, um, the power. I call you Geppetto to somebody the other day, and they didn't know what I meant. I said, oh, no, he has way more strings at his control than he would ever let on. 
Uh, it means a lot. You always have given me more than enough time. You've been a great partner to me, partner to the broadcast. I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. It's well, been great. It's it's been an honor, and I've I've listened to your your podcast, and and I don't deserve to be on that list, uh, honestly. But but here's let's here's not give <laughs> Doug Ducard that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> but but here here's as well. Say back to that, Steve. Is is you were one of the first members of the media to reach out to me directly four years ago. You took me to lunch, and and you just wanted to meet Toyota. Yeah. Right. And and we we met at one thirty one Main. And, and and we spent an hour and a half, you know, just just you getting to know me. So I I appreciate you reaching out there. Um, I'm sure it was a little bit counterintuitive coming from your background and all, but uh, that means that means a lot to me. Um, we love what what you and your team are doing on on NBC, uh, and um, and it's just uh, yeah, it's 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 great to be here. It's great. It has been a great conversation, guys. This is another Latart on location. David Wilson, president of TRD, was the guest, and the location was TRD Salisbury, the East Coast version of TRD. It's an impressive facility. You have to check it out. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review, and let us know what you think about the pod. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.